0: seated. I have come today as a messenger of Christ to testify of the wonder working power of the Almighty God. My testimony does not come from the Old Testament or the New The testimony does not come from the 19th century or the 20th. But I want to bring you some fresh manna today from fresh miracles that's happened in the 21st century. Right where we are. And yes, I've looked forward to this day. I felt anointed since the pastor asked me. And when the doctor walked in one o'clock in the morning, January the 1st, and said, we have received a heart on your behalf. He left the room, and the first thing I thought of was, March 27th, I think I can get there. <laughs> and they give you the lineup of two months, and four months, and six months, and nine months, and you recover, and all of that kind of thing. And all I could think of was, I'm gonna find a way, whatever I have to do to be here, And so uh, don't call my doctors, please. I don't want to lose them. They're great doctors. And I may seem a little weak and my legs aren't good. Don't pay any attention to any of that. Because I can tell you that what the Lord has put on our heart is going to change us forever. We have a great work to do. So this is not about, let's just kind of do something good. This is something that's revolutionary. That 20 years from now, your grandbabies are going to look back and said, they did it. They made it happen. I want to teach a little while. And on the power of covenant giving... Covenant living says, the Lord says, if you will, I will. I was praying one day and we were about to start a campaign. And the Lord says, well, what about covenant giving? And I said, well, what about it? I didn't know there was such a thing. And have you ever had the Lord kind of look at you exasperated like, I said, well, where is it in the Bible? And he was just, are you kidding? What giving scripture have you quoted more than any other? And I started racking my brain a little. And he sent me to Luke 6:38. Give, and it shall be given. He didn't say, I'll give to you, and you can give this back. He said, You give. And it shall be given. Covenant giving. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You see, you first give your extravagant gift. And then he will give back to you. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The substance. Evidence of things not seen. The elders obtained a good report by it. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So things which are not made of things which do appear. You notice he says faith is substance. Faith is not a seance. Saying words faster and thinking and dwelling and meditating. That's not faith. Faith is substance. He goes on later to say that faith without works is dead being alone. And um, So listen to the action words of this chapter. This is covenant faith. When a person acts on what they believe, instead of waiting quietly on God. When a person declares they are waiting on God to supply, then they will start acting giving. They are assuming lordship. When you say, if the Lord will give me something, then I will give back to him. You've assumed lordship over your life. He says, for you to give... And it shall be in covenant living and covenant giving is we go first. And we do what we bless God with what we've been blessed with. When we take it the other way, if I could just win the lottery or if my dear uncle that's rich passes away and gives me a boatload of money or if I get my raise, then God, I'm going to start really blessing your kingdom. How many thousand times have all of us heard that before? Man, if I could do this and somebody give me that, that's not covenant giving at all. And when we do that, we become lords of our life. Only the Lord can say, if you will, I will. So we have to stop waiting on that. I want to, let you know something today because I, I'm not here to take an offering. I'm not here to see if you can give $500 or $1,000. I'm here today because the Lord has called me here more than anywhere else but other places so that we could learn that God has moved by extravagant giving. God has moved by extravagant giving. Listen to these words. By faith, Abel, offered. Offered is the key word. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear and prepared an ark. It's covenant giving. They're getting ready. They're doing something. They're not just, oh God, send me an ark. Nope. By faith, Abraham. Abraham called to go to this place to receive an inheritance. He obeyed. Then he went out. By faith he sojourned. By faith he looked for a city. Sarah, she judged him faithfully. These are things we're doing, not things God's doing. All we think of in the hall of fame of faith is what God did. But we need to read and hear what they did. These died in faith not having received the promises, having seen them afar off. They focused, they had good focus. And let me tell you, the next 36 months, everybody in this church ought to get a real good focus on the call that God has given you to do something fabulous in his kingdom. I like this verse. He said, some of these died not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, focus, and were persuaded of them and embraced them. I'm looking for people today That's willing to say, Pastor, I'm going to embrace this campaign. It's going to be the biggest thing I've ever done in my life. I'm going to get a hold of it and hug it. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up to Isaac, accounting that God was able to raise him up. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of Egypt. He had respect. And he had recompense of the reward. He forsook Egypt. He kept the Passover, sprinkling of blood, passed through the Red Sea. After they were compassed about seven days with Rahab the harlot, they received the spies. And I could go on and on today. But I'm telling you today, real faith has substance. And the substance in faith is what we do, not what he does. He does. <laughs> Hebrews 11 categorically proves that when God's people proactively invest themselves, their time and their treasure into God's kingdom, the almighty, I love this, enjoins his magnificent treasure and endless power to show the world that these are my people on this earth. Do You mind if I sit down a little while? I'm sure glad because I might have collapsed if you'd have said no. I could teach laying down, I guess. I propose today that after being a part of what God's people proactively invested themselves in, in the capital campaign that we did ended in 2017. After our 36 months was over, And see in the house that God built for his glory. That it is the single most awesome thing I've ever been a part of in my life. There's no team like God's team. God's team's like heaven. Bart Starr and Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And maybe Matt, but he just left Detroit. Sorry. Won a Super Bowl. Need some new management. I'm for you, I just uh, feel bad for you too. (laughs) If you ask me what is one of my most egregious weaknesses as a pastor, I would tell you, and your pastor and I have talked about this for years and I've confessed openly to him. One of my great weaknesses is I've never liked asking people for money, I'm not the money guy. I've never traveled the world trying to collect offerings. I'm, I'm not the guy that go to general conferences and say, oh, he's going to raise some money because I want people to have nice homes and nice cars. I want them to go get an education and make more money. That's just me. I'm a humanitarian and I get in trouble. And being a humanitarian and a pastor and giving, it got in the way. After our Imagine campaign, when I saw that I had cheated God's people, Because I didn't promote sacrificial giving as much as I should have. I cheated our folks out of extravagant blessings. Because extravagant giving creates extravagant blessings. And I will never ever do that again. I know to a carnal mind you would think, oh no, here we go. Talking about money. But to a spiritual mind today you're going to know that what I'm doing is giving you the greatest Blessing you've ever had in your life. And if somehow God can take what's in my heart. And if he can take what's already happened in Columbus. And do it again right here. And he is going to, by the way. That you'll thank me the rest of your life. Because the church is launching the absolute greatest, most important endeavor in its existence. Right now. You're about to have big church. We're about to see what big church is all about. Big church is not about entitlement. Big church is not about me. Big church is not about what I get out of this. But big church is when we come together and realize that today I'm going to do something for my grandbabies. Today, my grandbaby is going to You're going to show the world that when the people of God join their resources with God's resources, that the windows of heaven will be opened up and the impossible is shredded by the miraculous. That's going to happen. It's happening here right now. Give and it shall be given. Are you ready to go now? I got to stand back up. I'm sorry. Come on, legs. Behave a little. Why don't somebody pray my legs are healed while I'm talking here today? Hallelujah. Man, they put a heart in me that's like a jet engine. Man, it's happening. I had an EF of like 24 and put the new heart in, and they said, Well, we don't measure past 65, but yours is way above 65. So that heart is working one. Don't worry about my heart, it's wonderful. Are you ready? Because when you place your treasure into the barrel of God's treasure, and then you press it down and you shake it together, then your treasure and his treasure becomes one. You see, this is this is powerful. You right now are writing your own Hebrews 11. That's what you're doing in the next 36 months. Each of you are going to be given an opportunity to place your name in this church's Hall of Fame of Faith book. Your children and your children's di- children will one day praise you and honor you because of your great sacrifice. No doubt about it, they're going to read your book. They will use your great sacrifice as the foundation for generations and generations of sacrifice. Every mission statement I've ever written, the most of it has to do with what I'm doing lasting longer than me. Because this life is short. Went to check out of the hospital and the doctor was walking out. and he turned around and he said, they have a select committee. They have to choose you to to, uh, to to, get a heart transplant. And he looked over his shoulder and he said, by the way, one of the reasons I chose you is we decided you weren't going to live more than a year. I went, whoa, whoa, what did you say? <laughs> they hadn't told me this and he left me alone in my shock. We don't know when our time is. It's imperative that we take notice today that all of the heroes of faith were practicing witnesses of a covenant relationship with the Almighty God. So we have the barrel, and the Lord showed me this. It was just, I haven't been the same. And He says, You put your treasure in the barrel. Not only do you put it in there, you press it. What are you doing? Well, you're joining your treasure with his treasure. And you keep pushing it down in there. And then since you don't have enough, you shake it. And then when you pull your treasure back out, your treasure is covered and filled with his. Now, by the way, he has quite the treasure. (laughs) And if you want to put your treasure somewhere, invest it somewhere, you want to invest it in his kingdom because he does still own all the gold. He does own all the cattle. He has more treasure than, he knows where the treasure is. He knows where your just next treasure is about to come from. It's waiting on you right now. He's just waiting on you to put your treasure in his barrel. And when you do and you pull it up, suddenly you put that much in it, it was your extravagant sacrifice and it comes up with all of his treasure. I will join mine with his any day of the week. Faith is not feckless, which would uh, merely be a desire void of substance and worthless. Faith is not thinking a thought or dwelling on a thought until it happens. Faith is not empty hope or casual desire. Faith is the Shunammite woman that although she only had enough meal in the barrel for her and her son to have one more meal during the famine, obeyed the call of the man of God. And gave him their last meal. And God caused the barrel to never run out. She invested her and her son's future. Invested that on the word of the prophet. She joined her treasure to God's team. I'm challenging everyone here today to sign up and get on God's team. Faith is making a covenant with the Almighty. And believing that he is the rewarder of him or her that diligently seeks him. One of the reasons we don't give more is we don't believe that he is a rewarder. We don't really believe it. We say we do. If God has done it once, can he do it again? Faith is you stepping up to the plate and taking a swing at the impossible with deliberate and bold actions. The substance of faith is often sacrifice, time, treasure, and our will on the journey to the impossible. You better believe you're on a journey to the impossible. What you're about to do looks impossible, but tell me, I'm gonna hear you right now. You gotta understand this right now, that when you put your treasure into his barrel, the impossible suddenly becomes possible. Substance Substance is more than substantial wish, wishes. Substance is when we put skin in the game as we trust God's promises. God says in Malachi, prove me now through your tithes and offerings. He says, and I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you cannot contain. We had a category in our commitments that was trusting God. After you'd done your budget and you'd found money and you made a commitment and I can do this and the last one was trusting God and we had a few people that kind of bypassed what we were saying and they just put trusting God as the whole thing. And let me tell you what happened. They hardly gave a nickel because this is not about waiting on your ship to come in. This is about taking stuff out of your ship or selling your ship. What sacrifice is too great to see your grandbabies in a building that can see thousands and then thousands more as you grow? What sacrifice is too big? We should not be worried about giving too much. You should be worried about giving too little. most of our families made commitments that looked impossible at the time. They made commitments that caused them great discomfort. And your commitment should make you very uncomfortable or you're not trusting God. They sacrificed cable TV. Who needs 250 channels? I mean, just think if you cut back to basic just for 36 months, 150 bucks a month, poof, $1,800 $1,800 a year. Oof, $4,800 or whatever it is for three years. Well, Just think what would happen. $250,000, I'm guessing, if everyone here just committed to give their tax refunds the next three years, next 36 months. A quarter of a million dollars. That's not small change. Ladies and gentlemen, we can do this. <laughs> what... What if we took sack lunches and had pickle loaf? I don't like pickle loaf. My dad liked pickle loaf, so we ended up with a lot of pickle loaf. What made me think of pickle loaf? Or whatever that is in the can. About to mess up a sermon here. I mean, what if we just didn't eat out as much? Do you know how much money you spend eating out? Do you know what it costs to go to McDonald's now? You just order a hamburger these days and fries and a drink and it's 12, 15 bucks. And you go, that was family plan. Now it's individual. What happens if we just don't eat out as much? What happens with that extra car you got sitting out there? You're not using it. Sell it. The boat trailer or the old trailer. You could borrow your dad's or your brother's. Get rid of that one. Give it to God. What happened? What happened? What would happen if we just drove our old car for three more years? We're about to get a new payment, $400 a month. That's what I'm gonna call it. And imagine if we just say, you know what, I'm gonna fix this buggy up for the next 36 months, I'm gonna drive this old car. And instead of me paying a payment to the bank, there's 20 more thousand dollars. Now I've just set you up that everybody in here, if you just cut back on your cable, and you just drive the buggy a couple more years and make a payment to God instead of through the bank, there's twenty-five, almost $25,000 right there that you can commit. I'm sorry, $20,000 you can commit. Everybody can give if you want to. Drove this old car a little, gave that payment to God. Everybody's getting quiet on me right now. It's getting real. I'm telling you, if you want to, you can. If you want to, you can. If you will, I will," saith the Lord. Seeing we have such a great cloud of witnesses, so run. And oh, do I ever more have a cloud of witnesses! I want to show you today. I'm going to put some wonderful people up on the screen, and we're going to fly. But this is not just from the OT. This is not from the New T is not from the 19th or the 20th. This is from the 21st century. Allow me today to testify about the miracles that the Almighty God performed in Columbus, Indiana. I want to brag on God for a little while. About five years ago, the sanctuary of Columbus, we finished our campaign that was called Imagine. It transformed our church forever and ever and ever. It should have never happened because the very month I... I got up and cast vision for the campaign. 88 people walked out the door. Four elders on the elder board and a couple of assistant pastors. And we had the most terrible, I'd, I'd cry all the way to church and walk in there and smile and say, God's going to do this. Get back in my car and cry all the way home. And I'd get back in front of people. Let's go. And we lost a whole bunch of people. And you would have thought, well, why in the world are you starting a campaign? You know why? Because the same thing that happened to your pastor happened to me. The Lord said, you got one more big work to do and you got to do it now. Let me testify. Let's go. David and Susan Kreider. Imagine giving these testimonies. After we had our first offering. And uh, I underestimated. I had to apologize to the church. (laughs) Because I didn't have faith for the offering we got. And uh, I said we could do 100,000. And after we counted it that night it was 324,000. And... So I apologized. I said, I'm sorry. I will stop having little faith from now on. We got finished and I'd just been preaching faith and giving and David walked up on the platform and he's just a wonderful person. His goal as a Christian, even though he didn't make the most money in the church, his goal was to give more in church than anybody. What a goal to have. He comes up, he said, Now, Pastor, you're going to see that there's a large check in there from me. And he said, I know you're going to call me and say, What's up? Because we're that close. But he says, Susan and I have been praying about this since we started the campaign. So he says, He's 50 years old and he cashed in his 401k. And I said, Dave, no. He said, No, Pastor, I did. I said, Dave, you can't do that. You're 50. Now, here I am preaching all this. <laughs> I said, you can't do this, Dave. You cannot cash in your 401k. I was crying. You can't do it. He says, pastor, we've already done it. I did it without telling you because I knew you'd tell me not to. But he says, Susan, and I believe what you're talking about. I says, I know, but you're 50 years old. And then he looks at me and he says, do you believe what you've been preaching? <laughs> well, Okay. Well of course I do. You know I want to say stop preaching back to me when I'm preaching, please. He said, "Well, we do too." The campaign was barely a year old. God blessed them with seven times the amount of their 401k. Her grandma was Gerald Mangan's sister, who got bitter against the church. Got so bitter against the church that when Susan, her brother, just two of them, when Susan came into the church, she cut her out of her will. Wasn't going to give her anything, and her grandma had lots of money. When her grandpa died, even though she was bitter at the church, guess who she asked to preach the funeral? I went, huh, really? Really? Me? Yeah? Okay. When she died, her son, who's a friend of mine, came and he says, Mom wants you to preach her funeral too. And I'm just like, Okay. Afterwards, her dad, who's an attorney, said, Susan, come by with your brother. I want to read the will. She says, Dad, please don't make me do this. I'm okay with it. I'm okay. I'd rather be apostolic than be wealthy any day. I'm okay. He says, Please come. Sat down. He started reading. He stopped and he looked at her. He says, Susan, two months ago, your grandma called me to the house and said, I've done something wrong and changed the will. And after they had given everything they had, they were instant millionaires. Jared Jared and Sue Ann on the next slide, he got a new job and uh, they give him two new vehicles, whatever he wants, it's free. Provided everything, insurance, the whole thing. Got a new baby, health insurance, covered all of it. His trust God amount was met when they received a check for tuition reimbursement. He was in an MBA program, and suddenly, here comes money. Mark and Deanna Cook, he sold Apple stock. Now, you got to understand, Mark, he drives a Prius, or he did, and drafts trucks 50 miles to work every day. He drives a Prius, did you hear me? I passed him on the interstate, and he's sitting there with his computer, almost hooked up to the bumper of semis. So 50 miles an hour is not a, a gallon is not enough. He's got to get more. Let me just tell you something. This this family sacrificed. He went from a Prius to a Tesla. Because God has been that good to him. He gave his apple stock, which was a lot of money to the Lord. And within 3 months of him giving his apple stock, his net worth not only recovered the investment, By the end of the year, his net worth was up 17% over what it was before he gave all his Apple stock. I'm telling you, God's got your back. James and Vanessa McCree, God blessed her with a full-time job in place of her part-time. They become a homeowner for the first time in their marriage on an amazing address called Victory Boulevard of all things. John and Megan France, John broke the car sales record of his company and all the extra bonuses. And he says, God, I'm going to give you the bonuses. He didn't know how much the bonuses were going to be. But buddy, it was good. And and so the Lord blessed him. And he just kept giving to the campaign. And, and right toward the end of the campaign, their grandparents decided to give them a large down payment to purchase a new house. This all happened after they started sacrificing to the Imagine campaign. The Cochran's, the healing of their daughter, medical bills all paid from this illness. The Hattons, after faithfully given, they become debt free. Derek and Gerald, Shelley, an unexpected check arrived from an insurance claim from many years ago, the exact amount they pledged to imagine. The Ortiz got a full-time position in the school system, found housing, and received free furniture. Haley had her healing her ears. She had trouble with her ears. Her ears were healed after the doctor cleared her of a recurring tumor in the ear. Jennifer, whose husband is not in the church, she was a teacher, was asked to teach in an after-school program. That was four times the amount she had a pledged to imagine. Kaylee got the Holy Ghost, received a new position and a job with a pay raise. Austin, our our youth pastor, while we he was in college playing football for a team, he was in college and while he was there, he gave a gift. It's all he had was a hundred bucks. He gave it to imagine. And the next day he got a gift of 500 from somebody. The Walkers got a letter from a former employee Twenty years, uh, twenty years before, he had money in a pension plan that he didn't know that was owed him, and they were able to give ten thousand that exceeded the amount they were trusting God to give. To imagine, and I'll talk about them a little bit later. But John and Pam Walker, they didn't have money, made about forty thousand a year, and they committed forty thousand in the campaign, which means they lived thirty-six months on eighty thousand dollars, and that's almost poverty. But he'd go out and sell all the trailers and he sold everything he could sell and he didn't have anything left. So he got this liquidators thing going and they'd send pallets of stuff and then he'd piecemeal it to eBay and he'd sell it a thing at a time and, and he started making money and gave to you can do it if you want to. God will give you an imagination. The Smiths, they gave to Imagine, got a brand new kitchen cabinet it's free. And their remodel project was 2000 instead of 10000 Oh, my goodness, I needed that faith a while back. <laughs> Cecilia, a widow, received 1000 unexpected funds from a mortgage company. Belinda, her husband, got baptized. Margaret Stevens, another widow. After a $3,000 ben- dental bill, she was only charged $200. Ryan and Ashley Mitchell, I think you know them. Received unexpected funds from a tax situation at the closing of their home. It was amazing. The Perkins, both Steve and Peggy, got new jobs with huge pay increases. The Andersons, elderly couple. They received an unexpected check. The amount pledged. After raising his Imagine pledge, Ron's in a serious truck accident and he's 70-something years old. The cars were totaled, not drivable. He walks away with a few bruises. The Garrity's credit card debt was paid. New job for Larry with the veterans. He's a veteran of Vietnam War. Tanya Carlock obtained a full-time job with insurance and retirement benefits. Kanisha got a new and better job. Heath and Alicia. Heath, Heath finished his PhD uh, in education at IU. He got a full-time teaching position for Alicia at Parkside. They both got jobs. It was wonderful. And, uh, and then they were given a brand new car at the end of this campaign. Tina, who cleans houses And her husband doesn't come to church at all. And they don't have money. She opened her mail one day. And she comes crying into the office the last four months of the campaign. As we had so many do. They'd walk in the door and you'd see tears coming down their face. And she said, I opened up my mail today. And she says, I got a letter from a lawyer in South Carolina. That says, you know, you have this second cousin that you met when you were seven years old one time. And she left you $25,000. It was double the amount she had pledged to imagine. Leah... (laughs) I'm telling you there's stuff out there for you you don't even know about. All you got to do is tap into it. And you'll tap into it with covenant giving. After making the pledge they were una- she was unable to work because cancer. They were able to continue their pledge throughout cancer and chemo treatments and were stopped earlier. They stopped them earlier since the healing process was shorter than they thought. And at the end of it, they got to buy a new house. Reggie and Gwen McLaurin, you know him too. After they made a pledge, he got a tutoring job, paid a large portion of his pledge. Gotta just work it out. He was gifted two fabulous vacations, a whole lot more than they'd contributed that week. Two weeks ago, they moved into a brand new custom home built for them, totally free, a half-a-million-dollar home. My wife and I, we had some property that we have a vacation rental that we just, they, the, the company runs it. And there's 32 acres and we, we needed to sell trees. It hadn't been timbered for decades and decades. And, but the, the price of trees was terrible. And wouldn't you know the price of trees went up right in the middle of the campaign. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Eric and Melanie Michaels found a house they wanted to buy. Owners would not accept their offer. Five months later, the same house was for sale again, and they got to buy it for $20,000 cheaper than their first offer, just like the Lord. Jason Shelley tax return check increase pay increase on the job Philip and Sonia unexpected bonus checks free lodging while traveling family inheritance Philip got a raise all three years during imagine with stock options she got a job with a 15 percent raise and now since then a 54 percent raise she kind of runs the place now the Fullerton protected Dustin while he was overseas in the Gulf War he was deployed and came home And God blessed them. The Shelleys. Unexpected bonus check for Roshana, And everybody said a new home. Georgia Shipley. Another widow. Monthly pay increase. The Edwards healing and help for Eric's major uh, health issues. Bills paid for them. 25 plus families in our church committed and gave close to a year's salary in 36 months. They were sold out and they believed that if God can do it for you once, he can do it again. (laughs) Mary began pouring perfume of her treasure on the feet of Jesus. The value of this perfume just happened to be one year's salary for this woman. She gave him an extravagant gift. Because I just got to tell you, God recognizes extravagant gifts. I could go on hours and hours about the miracles that came after these folks gave to Imagine. I can tell you that after that whole group left, our tithing dropped down to $460,000 a year. Within a year, we baptized enough people that we got all that back, but 4000 just in one year alone. I can tell you that this year, our budget went to $1.6 million in just five years' time. I'm not bragging, except I'm bragging on God. We don't have more people. We don't have more people. Actually, after the pandemic, we're still missing some people. It's not about more people. It's a proof. It's proof that when you give, God blesses you. After having sacrificed with with some giving, almost everything. Some people gave everything. They were sold out. You would think that after people had given almost everything they had, that they'd all be broke at the end of the campaign. Nope. Didn't happen that way. Here's the facts. Surrounding the last six months of our campaign, more than 30 People that had sacrificed to imagine purchased brand new homes. Wow. And it kept coming in. So-and-so just bought a new home. Oh, yeah, good. So, suddenly, I mean, they're buying nice homes. I'm talking about three, four, five, six, seven, hundred thousand dollar homes. They, were, they, they got down to almost nothing. And in the last six months of our campaign, 30 families got new homes. The Walkers, the Criders, the Smiths, the Vales, Fullertons, the Mitchells, Cowles, Hamill, Holt, Edwards, Cochran's, Cochranes, carry Corays, Hudsons, the Waltz, the Jenners, the Johnsons, the Sizemores, the Shelleys, the Michaels, the Labiacs, the Corays, the Meeks, the Shelleys, the Seniors, the Moors, the Fields, and my wife and I. Can I brag on God a little bit? We needed to position our finances so we could give more. So we sold our house and we had this vacation rental, a little log cabin out in the middle of nowhere, long way from the church, um, lived there three and a half years, supposed to be two, you know, but you know what happens. And so we were ready to come back to town. And my wife says, well, why don't we look at this Grandview Lake property? I said, we can't afford Grandview Lake. No way, but you know, I wasn't thinking about God. And, and so we went over and looked and found this house at 47 years old and they hadn't done a thing to it. They built it, they lived in it. And so we could buy it cheaper, it wasn't cheap at all. I mean, up to that time, the most I'd ever spent on a house was $159,000. And now, and I lived, we lived in that 25 years. And now I'm looking at this house going, hmm, it was a good investment. I knew it would be, and it was more for investment. We'll live there 10 years and see what happens. We'll see what we can do here. Went to the banker, I thought I was gonna sell the vacation home because I couldn't afford it. And he says, no, don't do it. You can work this out. Keep both of them. Had a missionary stayed in our cabin. After that, during the pandemic, he was dying overseas and we got him back home. My wife and I decided to put him in our cabin so his family could come be with him. So we took it off the rental market. And of course, you lose some money doing it, but we felt it was the right thing to do. When they got done, they walked around the property and anointed it with oil. We went from the fourth, fifth place in four bedroom cabins to the first place. Most cabins were renting at that time. Most of them, maybe six rentals a month. We were 19, 21, 22 nights a month. And ever since then, that cabin actually is making enough to pay for our home. That we live in. Can I brag on God a little bit? So we were, we were in Canada. My nephew, my nephew, who uh, was making about eighty to ninety thousand dollars a year before the campaign, but he sacrificed greatly. Um, toward the end of the campaign, he was a millionaire. In fact, this last September, we stayed in his log home on the Lake of the Woods that today is valued at a million dollars and it's paid for cash. In a few short years, God took this little money and then suddenly he and He has everything in the world. He bought me a S550 Mercedes-Benz 2017, the best car probably on the road. I can't even keep it. It's too extravagant. I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble with it, but it's beautiful. It's black, oh my God. <laughs> Just drives, just drives itself and I get in this car and I don't know what to do. I didn't buy this thing. I didn't pay a nickel for this. And, and so we, we get to use his home free up on, on the lake. And, and then I come home and when we got back, the real estate agent's next door and, and he, he came over and said, you know what's happened on the lake? And I said, what? And he said, see that little house right there to the left? Now, now we live, here's a little canal of water. And then we, we live in the mouth of that. So we have a little more wide water. But the one back in here, it, it's about the size of a two-car garage. It's, it's light blue. It's not pretty. It's not, and not that nice. He said, they just sold that for $780. I went, what? He said, the one next door, terrible house. They just sold it for 880 And I went, whoa. He said, well, the one down at the end of the creek bed down there, they sold it for a million dollars. And my eyes got real big. Because my house is bigger in a better spot. Today, I wouldn't sell my house for less than $1.2 Now, I don't know what to say about that because I didn't do that. I, God did that, and so we sit here testifying to you today that we were all in. But I'm I'm, I'm sitting on this gold mine, and it's just growing, and and it just keeps growing. And I'm like, we well, let's sell. But what are we going to do if we sell? I don't know what to do. So we're just living in it right now. I'm just saying, thanking the Lord. Is it okay with you that the Lord blesses us? I mean, really. The Louthers both work for state government. The week after our commitment, the week after our commitment, they committed, I think it was 120,000 back then. The governor declared a moratorium on pay increases for the next two years. The week after they committed over 100,000. Um, that was a year's wages for them. And they went, oh boy, this is gonna to be tough. Halfway through the campaign, he said, can I testify? I said, sure. He said, we were told there would be no pay raises in two years. And in the first 18 months of the campaign, each of us has, has received nine pay raises each that entirely paid for our pledge. And he says, I stand here today telling you I haven't given God anything because everything he gave me back has paid my pledge. I got my pledge. Somebody said, amen. amen. The cooks, after having given 120,000 to the campaign, comp- completed their commitment. Mark was praying one day in the altar, and you gotta know Mark, he's a finance guy. He's the guy that drives the Prius, and now the Tesla and drafts, so he can get better gas mileage. They don't buy anything but Apple stock. I mean, they don't spend money. Nuttin's the word, it's not nothing, it's nothing. I mean, they don't spend no money. Both of them are that way. And, he was, and so every day, until the campaign, he would look at his net worth. And he has the graph going. So he opens up, he hits it, boop, boop, boop. And he knows every day what his net worth is. He's just, wow. But after the campaign, he'd given about everything he had. And he said, it was depressing. So I didn't look anymore. He's praying and the Lord says, go look at your uh, net worth. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, no, 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 go look at your, no, come on, God. And finally, the Lord just kept pushing on him. So he opened up his laptop. His net worth was $120,000 more than it was when he gave which means God paid that bill for him. And he started rejoicing with the Lord. He stopped and he's sitting there smiling. And the Lord spoke and says, do it again. <laughs> and he went from this to. <laughs> Understand before we started the campaign, they gave $69,000. Then he turned around and gave another 120. They'd done their part, they thought. And God says, do it again. And he said, I, I remember thinking. Well, I know, I'll go home. When I go home, my wife is gonna look at me and say, we've done our part. (laughs) He says, I told her. He said, when I told her, she stared at me and I thought, oh, I'm a dead goose. She's staring at me. And finally she said, all right, just so I get to write the check. And they doubled their commitment right there and gave the increase because God says, do you believe that I gave that to you? And if you do, you gotta believe I can do this again. Somebody turn to your neighbor right now and say, I know God can do this for me also. Hallelujah. We converted Larry halfway through the campaign. Wonderful Lutheran man, good guy wasn't that impressive to look at. He was six foot something. You could park a coffee cup on his belly. He's he missing some teeth. He drove to church in an old red pickup truck, kind of lumbered down the road. He lived in a little studio apartment with the pickup being his only possessions, we thought. He came to the church toward the end of the, he came into the church in the middle of the campaign. So in the 18 months, this is something else that's about to happen. You're about to baptize a lot of people. I said, you're about to baptize a lot of people. Jesus name. He came to our church and he absolutely loved the church. And he was only in the church 18 months or maybe 16 when he came to me and he says, Pastor, he said, "Uh, you know, I got some property. (laughs) Property? Yeah, he says, I farmed for years. I said, well, how much property do you have? He said, well, I've given 20 acres to my boys. But I got another hundred acres, and he said it's that flat stuff that you just hit the cruise on the combine; it just goes back and forth like this. He said it's it's great property. It's, well, I knew it's ten thousand an acre; it's a million bucks. I says, Oh! He says, I want to give it to the Lord. I said, You do. He said, Yes. I'm going to go talk to my tax man, and I'll be back. Of course, he come back, and his tax man saying, Don't. So he ended up saying he, he, he was going to give a half a million. But he said, well, you, I need you to have people. His tax man says, make sure people will match that fund. This is four months left in the campaign. Our largest donor's gifts had already come in. And I know the I know the score. And there was no way we could match that $500,000 in four months. And I told him why. And I'm making this. I made a great sales pitch. I said, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And I got done and. Everybody should have gone, oh yeah, you're right. He got done, he smiled, he said, well, that's my deal. It's <laughs> like I just wasted my words. And I remember looking at him thinking, how am I going to go home and tell my wife that we're about to go sell the cabin because I'm going to get that half a million dollars. I said, all right, Larry, you got a deal. We're going to match those funds. He said, okay, and left. My wife and I committed... A year's salary increased at 20% at the halfway point. And today our net worth has risen almost 700,000 since then. Remember the walkers? I said he went out and bought pallets and stuff. On the day of April the 15th, the end of our campaign, and we're getting ready to announce the total. I've never had a better day in my life. I'm so excited. I can't wait to get to church. I mean, I'm... I was just like, this is awesome. What the Lord had done, it was just unimaginable. You know, and instead of us raising one times our tithing, we, we ended up, people gave five or six times. It was crazy what happened. I come in this door and I got right there to walk on the platform, and John Walker stops me. And, Pastor, I need to tell you something. Now, I have to tell you, my faith wasn't real strong. I was thinking he's about to tell me someone got molested. And if he did, I was going to choke him right in front of God and the whole company of people because this is the best day of my life and you're not going to do this as I'm walking on the platform. <laughs> he said, no, pastor, I got to tell you this. I said, okay. He said, we committed $40,000. This is a true story. Best, this, this to me is the biggest thing, the smallest and yet the biggest. And he said, we committed $40,000 and I don't know how they did it. He said, but this morning... And all week we've been muttering around because we were within fifteen hundred dollars of our commitment. And he said, We're this morning we're muttering and we didn't have any more in the bank account. We didn't have anything else to sell. And he said, Finally she looked up and says, Oh, John, we're gonna be late for a prayer meeting. And in a desperate mode, she reaches in the drawer to pull out, she's a pantyhose lady, okay? For her pantyhose and maybe no pantyhose." And now she's desperate. Oh no, we don't have time to go by the store. What am I gonna do? And John says, wait a minute, Pam, do you remember? A year, last summer, almost a year, you went to that neighborhood yard sale and someone had the exact pantyhose you wear for 10 cents. Did you wear those yet? And she says, I don't know. Well, let's look. So he starts digging in the back of drawers, she starts digging. And suddenly she pulls out this sealed, turn to your neighbor and say sealed. Sealed. She picks up this sealed package of pantyhose. She's on one side of the bed and they're both hilariously laughing at themselves. And she peels it open. And when she does, the $1,500 fell out (laughs) on the bed. I can't explain that. I can make believe a lot of things, but that was a God thing. He said, we fulfilled our pledge today. God gave it to us. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. With four four and a half months to go in our campaign, We were $800,000 short and our largest commitments were already in. It's December. It's our last campaign Sunday of the year. There was no highway to reach our goal. I'd done the numbers. Nothing I could humanly figure out. So I told my son, who is here helping you with your capital campaign. I said, tomorrow I'm going to go to the church instead of the commitment that we had been given by people and the Lord had put in our hearts at that time. Remember the, remember the tithe that where we were financially today? It would be four times that. And I said, tomorrow, instead of going for 2500000 million, I'm going to tell the church we're going to hit $2 million because I wanted them to win. And um, that meant we didn't have to have 800000 We only had to have three. And I couldn't figure out how to get three. That was Saturday. Went to bed that night. In the middle of the night, you know how when you're so deep, when someone wakes you, it's like being underwater and you're trying to wake up. I heard the Lord scream at me. He was mad. He said, I didn't put 2 million in your belly. I put 2.5 million. And I'm trying to swim to get up to earth, to breathe, I'm sound asleep. And he said it again. And when I finally got my air set up on the edge of the bed, I was looking for the swords of the angels because God was so mad at me. I thought he was going to kill me. I went to church the next day and I didn't have time to talk to my son. And as we're heading into the auditorium, I looked over my shoulder and I said, by the way, it's 2.5. And he went, what? I'll tell you later. I got in trouble with God last night and I walked to that podium, I promise you, everybody in that building knew that I had figured out how to get it. I hadn't, I just wanted to live. (laughs) (laughs) I preached, we're gonna have 2.5 million in the next four and a half months. We only have to raise 800,000, but God's gonna put it in your heart. And I preached it like I really believed it. Well, I did by then because he scared me to death. I cannot explain to you what happened the last four and a half months of the campaign. There was no way we could do this. No way. By the end of the campaign, 2.7 million dollars came in. Before we moved into our building, three million dollars came in. Five, six times our tithing came in. From January to April 15th, $1 million and $14. One million fourteen dollars came in in four and a half months. People start streaming into the office every day. Tears coming down their face. Oh, you just can't believe what the Lord did. And then I have others coming in saying, I just bought a new home. I just bought a new home. You just bought a new home. I just got a new car. God just blessed me here. Our church, listen to me. When you go from the same number of people as you had then to now, and you go from a tithing base of 460 to 1.2 million dollars, that's only because God has caused people to be so blessed. Since the campaign ended, many people that were making moderate wages now are millionaires couple of businessmen bought me a brand new car, $88,000 automobile flagship LS 460. And I drove it. And then they just turned around and gave me another one. You know why? Because God's blessing them. And I'm just, I don't know. Maybe it's, they feel sorry for me. I don't know, but I'm glad to drive it for them. You know, somebody's got to drive it, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know. You know, what are you going to do? Just say, "I oh, will park that in the garage. I can look at it. No. And so I just drive it with joy because it's like, wow, are you kidding me here now? I can't do this. Here's the neat thing is the person that spent the money on the first car didn't make as much as the car was worth the first year of the campaign. And now he has the money to go out and buy this thing. God has blessed him so much. God today, his mission today is to save us from mediocrity. God is challenging us to trust him. As a little boy at our youth camp, I'd mowed grass and made some money so I could spend. Had $10 to spend. And in the 60s, that was a lot of money. And all of us were about to go over and get us a snow cone and I saw this little boy sitting over there leaning against a tree. I said, come on. He says, no. I said, no, oh, come on, no. And I finally looked at him, I said, do you not have any money? He says, no, but it's it's okay. And I felt just moved on by God. And I reached in and I gave him all my $10. He smiled and ran off. As I stood there and wondered, oh wait a minute, I can't go get a snow coat now. <laughs> And this is Tuesday. <laughs> we got all week here, so I went over to the baseball game because I was always playing ball. And I'm leaning against the fence, and a gentleman walked up and he said, "I've been watching you here at this camp in the altar." I said, yeah, and he grabbed my hand and pressed a twenty-dollar bill in there. I learned as a young man, you can't beat God-given, <laughs> you can't. But if, when you go broke, and I went broke, when you go broke. When you go all in, oh, I wish I could get about two dozen people to go all in. When you go all in, God really does look at extravagant gifts differently than any other kind. I'm telling you, if you can figure out how you're going you're gonna to give your commitment, then you're not committing enough. If you've got it all figured out, you need to add some on that because you've got to do something that says, God, I know I can do this, I've figured it out, but I'm going to trust you for this. It's a fact. So, do you trust God with your finances? If so, give it to Him and see what He does with it. God does bless what we give. By the way, God doesn't bless what we have, He doesn't bless savings accounts, He blesses offerings. God can only bless what you give Him. You've got to put it in His hand, you've got to get it in the barrel. You just, oh, God, please bless me, Lord. I love you. You know I love you, and I'm going to do this for you, God. Someday, you know, someday, if you really help me out here, God, I promise I'll give. You just become Lord of your life. But if you say to God, okay, God, I'm going to take this, what I have, I'm going to put it in your barrel. Because God doesn't bless savings accounts. He doesn't bless bank accounts. God blesses what you give him. Give, and it shall be given. Because if you put it in his barrel... He can multiply it. Give early in the campaign. Get going early. If you can. If you can give it all up front, give it all up front. Because by the end of the campaign, because if you do that early, that will be seed faith that will bless you and you'll be able to give even more. Are you ready to transform your lifestyle for 36 months? Just 36 months months. Back off your cable, 36 months. Don't eat out as much, 36 months. Keep the same car, 36 months. And there's dozens of things you can do. But you got to know that God is in charge of your finances. And if you'll transform your lifestyle, you can change your world because what you're about to do is going to change your world. I promise you it's going to change your world. Your only fear should be not given enough because without faith, it is impossible to please God. God praised the widow for she trusted God by giving all she had. And whatever you're thinking about giving, if you can figure it out, your commitment is not of God. It's merely human understanding. I dare say in this church right now, and I don't, Have the collection of the numbers of your finances. I dare say in the next 36 months, the collective families of this church together, in this room, there's probably $12 million comes in every year. In three years, that would be $36 million. Don't tell me we can't do it. Because God will give this church $36 million. Each of you put it all together. In the next 36 months, and you're looking for measly numbers, I'm challenging you today to four to five million dollars. Because I can tell you, if we can do three million with half the tithing, you can do four and five million dollars. Come on, we, Holy Ghost is here right now. Holy Ghost is here right now. Jesus, come on, oh, close your eyes and worship him. I feel an unction of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, Oh my Jesus. Oh, my Jesus. Oh, my Jesus. Church, you're going to do a great thing. Done with small church. Done with small church. And I close with this today. I was listening to what was going on in Ukraine. half asleep really wanting to sleep and the reporter asked this citizen turned soldier in Ukraine nice kind of quiet but confident she said sir there's one and a half million soldiers on the other side of that border 150,000 Russian soldiers in this country they have fighter planes and armament and nuclear and all of this How in the world do you think that you can win this war? And without flinching, he kind of looked afar off. And he said, Ma'am, he said, we will win this war because we know why we are here. Those soldiers are crying to go home, running out of gas, running out of food. They don't know why they're here. But we, no. why we're <laughs> here. Church, do you know why you're here? Are you here from Sunday to Sunday, Wednesday to Wednesday? Are you here just to get a little more bread and great preaching? And you have the best preaching in the whole world but you're probably drunk on that. It's Probably feeding you too much and you love it so much that it becomes about what God's given you. And now God's saying, I want you to give this back to me. Do you realize that this church is a legacy church in the Detroit area, in the Midwest? Do you realize that everything you do, everybody's watching very close. Do you realize that God is raising this church up here? You have more talent and ability. Any church I know of. I've known this church a long time and I love every one of you. I'm sorry I can't come out and hug all of you, but just say we did. But do you realize what God has put in front of you is the ability to grow exponentially and build a temple for the kingdom so that the world will go. If God can do it for them, he can do it for us also. I'm often appalled when I travel churches, conversations with ministers. They have no idea why they're there. They'll quote a couple scriptures, which is fine, but they cannot verbalize a present day reason why they must do what they must do. Scripture says, without a vision, people will perish. You have a vision now. This is not referring to the law that was in their hands. This is the declaration, is a cry for leaders and people to recognize why we are here in this altar today here in a few minutes you need to ask God tell me Lord my place what can I do I'm not here just to come to church and sing a little bit shout a little bit give a little bit but he's positioned each of you for a purpose that's so far above your head you can't figure it out it's hard to believe but he's put within you the ability to do something awesome, great, and extravagant. So do you know why you're here? Well, one reason you're here is there's 500 people out there. They're your best friends. And you know what? You've got to have room for them. You obviously don't have room for them. And all these people are wanting to get in the church. But we don't have room for them right now. You need to be able to come together as one congregation and worship together. You hadn't been able to do that in so long. But there's 500 people out there. Everybody say, that's one reason I'm here. You got some new friends out there you don't even know about. The need for unity here, getting under one roof. I'm telling you today, I believe this with all of my heart. When you see what the government is doing right now, restricting people. I don't want to get into politics. But the lady that's up for the Supreme Court right now. A nonprofit that's very powerful that their whole goal is to shut churches down have given millions of dollars to get her confirmed. Your local planning commission can shut down a building program. Your city council, just like that. Banks don't want to loan the churches. I'm telling you, the bad side of this is if we don't do something now, we may never be able to do it. I believe that. I feel like all of us are getting right under, just right under. We can't afford a tepid response at this moment in time. It's time for us to get serious about why we're here. So our children and our children's children will one day rise up and give honor to those that rose up at this time. Because we're not talking about growth. We're talking about exponentially changing the trajectory of the first church to accommodate the future. If you're comfortable here right now, I'm asking God to make you uncomfortable. Shake you loose until you realize, this is why I'm here. To my friends that are, be seated just a moment, I'm just about done. To my friends that are in the same season of life as I, you're not building this building for you. I never moved into the senior pastor's office, sat empty for a couple years. years, just me. I moved into the old guy's office next door because I knew why I was here. Now it's full. Somebody's there. God's blessing. You're building this building for your children. This is called exponential growth. Do you know why the mighty, generous Savior has given you that nest egg? Do you believe that God gave it to you first of all? Do you believe that you're the only one responsible for it? Because if you believe God gave it to you, if you'll put it in his hands, press it in his barrel, let him shake it up. He can do for you what he's done for me and my wife. Hallelujah. Done with the sermonette and a good song. It's time to have big church. Done with being cute in the house of God. It's time to have big church. Done with just giving God a little bit Hope he appreciates that. Boy, he ought to be glad I came today. Really? We're about to have big church. Somebody say amen. Amen. Don't tell me we don't have the ability. We do. Because you're a legacy church. And you want to give a legacy gift. Because just to be honest, by the time your children whittle down, your estate there's not going to be much left. It's not going to have a great impact. If you'll give to God, your children are gonna have more than they were gonna have by what you did with your earthly ability. Ladies and gentlemen, we have this moment. If you don't grasp this vision now, this church will be set back for decades. And I've seen it. I've seen many people go into campaigns and lose their focus and people not catch the vision. And then they just have church as usual and they fail can't afford to fail because you have this moment. If you don't grasp this, you will set yourselves back 10 to 15 years because you won't be able to start over that quickly. But if you go now, you have this moment. It's time to go for broke. Do you know who's responsible for your treasure? Have you recognized who woke you up this morning? who caused your heart to beat while you were asleep last night. Oh, by the way, when they put my new heart in, the doctor said, never seen anything like it. He said, we put it in, and sometimes it takes a long time to get it to beat. We put yours in, and in four seconds, it went boof. Hallelujah. Have you recognized who gave you all you have? Nelson Mandela said, there is no passion to be found playing small and settling for a life that is less than the one you are capable of living. Do you believe if he did it once, he can do it again? Are you afraid of going back to zero, that God has enough gold in the mountain to replenish what he's already given you and more? Do you know why you're here? Do You know why he gave you what you gave? Did he give that to you for you to keep? No, he gave it to you to invest in the kingdom. Not only can he replenish, our God has the tendency to multiply. (laughs) I'm going to close. But how many people in this room are ready to put it all on the line and trust God to perform? We're going to show you why you're here in just a few minutes. One of the reasons, because we've got some people going to be baptized yes. in the precious name that's above all names. When I finished teaching this just a few months ago, for the Sodos in Appleton. We had a commitment service for leaders that night. When they all came, he came to me afterward. He said, the leaders came to me, every one of them. We're up in our commitment. And most of them doubled what they thought they were going to give. Because they started believing that if God gave it to you the first time, he could do it again do you believe he could do it again? Been saving some money. Had a thousand dollars. I found an old amplifier in a barn last week and it sold for a thousand dollars. And two days ago, the Lord told me, You've been carrying this around your wallet for vacation, but you're going to invest because I believe in you and I believe in this church. God's going to do something. Are you ready to trust Him? Are you ready to trust him? He's going to put an amount in your heart that you can't believe. And if you can't see it, you know it came from God. Lift up your hands and begin to rejoice right now. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 The lasting
1: thing is you. You are forever. You are forever. You are the one that I run to. You are my treasure. You are my treasure. The only lasting thing is you. You are forever forever God you're the one that I run to you are my treasure you are my treasure
2: faith is substance ladies and gentlemen I intend to prove my faith with my substance (laughs) I've never done this before you know that I've never been a money preacher I'm asking you to enter into a covenant relationship with God with me and let's do something here that In the tradition of First Church, there's going to be a first here today. This has never happened here. It's fixing to happen very soon. Won't you sing a song with us, Draylen? You're fixing to see a first in just a moment. <laughs> Let's sing together.
1: This okay. world is not my home. I am just passing through earthly treasures soon will fade but I found my hope in you oh you are the one I want you are the one I need Oh, oh this world can have it all it can take everything give me Jesus, the one who broke these chains and took away my shame.
2: There is only one for me. I'll tell you. Usually, I baptize people. If I don't baptize people, it's one of the. When I say ministers, I mean. M-E-N, men, ministers. Bianca Mori is gonna baptize these ladies today. This is her first.
1: First church.
2: Do you believe Jesus can wash away sins if it's a woman that baptizes somebody? <laughs> See, it's like grain. When you sow grain in the ground, brain doesn't care if the hand that spreads it's 10 years old or 80 years old power's in the grain and what you're fixing to see the power's in the name that, that's where the power is we thought it would be one and then we were told last night two and then this morning we were told four so there are four people that are about to be baptized right now Bianca Mori's gonna baptize them this It's why we're here.